I wanted to take a, a few moments and share tonight. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of going through these different identities um, and, and we're talking about the, the value of family, the importance of family. And so I, I wanted to, to share tonight um, about God's maternal heart. We always uh, jump to this thought of God as a father, which is totally true. Um, but I, I just want to share, I want to share a couple thoughts uh, about the fact that God uh, embodies both a father, a father's heart, and all the characteristics that wrap uh, up what a father is, um, and he also embodies a mother's heart. And so I, I, there's just two things that, that I wanted to point out tonight. We're going to spend some time talking and sharing and just unpacking some stuff. But I just I wanted to point out two characteristics because I don't know if you guys have noticed. Newsflash, I'm not a mom. Um, and uh, more than that, I'm not a female. So uh, I, I don't have a ton to speak into from the motherly experience other than the fact that I have a mom. And, uh, and I'm married to a mom. And so I get to I get to walk closely hand in hand um, in watching uh, this this mother's heart develop and unfold. And so um, I, I just wanted to do that really quickly here. I want to I want to share two concepts um, with you tonight. Um, two things that mothers do. There's a ton of things that mothers do. All right, tons of things that mothers do, but uh, there's two things in particular that uh, that that I've seen very intimately connected. Uh, and so uh, the two things I'm gonna go ahead and give you the punchline to where we're going tonight. All right, the two things uh, that mothers do is they cover and they connect. They cover and they connect. Covered and connected. Um, and so I, I just want to, I want to unpack this for a minute. If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy 32. And if you don't, it'll be up on the screen. This is one of those passages that, cause I know we all read Deuteronomy like multiple times, uh, you know, a week or whatever. It's probably all of your favorite books. It's up there with Numbers and Leviticus. Um, this is one of those like wee hour of the morning passages that the Lord led me to. And it's in Deuteronomy 32. Moses is getting ready to pass away. And he's getting ready to transition the, uh, the power of the leadership of Israel over to Joshua and he knows that there's a good chance that the people of Israel are going to run away from the Lord. And so this is, this is part of a section of, of Scripture called the Song of Moses. Moses um, uh, essentially gives kind of some, some last uh, encouragements and last warnings to the people of Israel to follow the Lord. And it says this, it's talking about how the Lord found Israel when they were lost and they were broken. It says, he found him, meaning God found Israel in a desert land. 
in a howling waste of the wilderness. And God encircled Israel and he cared for him. He kept Israel, get this, as the apple of his eye. Did you know that you are the apple of God's eye? Like that's part of our identity because we're, we're children of God. We are the apple of his eye. It says, this is the passage I want to hang on for a minute. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them up on its pinions, which, by the way, if you don't know, pinions is like the main feathers that lets the bird be able to fly. The Lord alone guided Israel. No foreign God was with him. Um, I love how the message puts it. In verse 11, the message says, God was like an eagle hovering over its nest, overshadowing its young, then spreading its wings, lifting them into the air, teaching them to fly. Um, I know that passage, you're probably thinking like, what in the world does that have anything to do <laughs> with what we're talking about? Um, so the, here's the picture that I had. Like I said, this was a super early wee hours of the morning uh, picture that the Lord gave gave me as I was uh, talking with him early, early one morning. Um, um, so picture this with me, right? Um, a bird, a uh, female bird, we can use an eagle since that's the context of this passage, and this bird has babies. Now what do birds do in order to care for their babies? They make a nest, and they feed them. Where, where are the babies? Ah, they sit on them. Yes, they sit on the babies, right? Um, if, if you have ever seen, you know, maybe some of you raised chickens or you've been around it, um, but, but you, you, you get the concept, right? Um, a bird lays an egg and sits in this nest on the egg, uh, and and cares for that egg, and even when they're born, still until the 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 baby bird grows up to a certain age, like that's how the babies are protected, is under the mother, right? That's a that's a that's a mom's heart. That's a that's a, a nurturing heart. Okay, so keep keep that image in mind for just a second. In Genesis chapter one. Verse 2, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And listen to this. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, you might be thinking, what in the world does that have anything to do with this verse that I just read in Deuteronomy about the eagle being in a nest? The word hovering, it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The word hovering in Hebrew is the exact same word as where it says, like an eagle that stirs up its nest that flutters over its young. So, so, so get this with me, all right? The word flutters, 
and the word hovering are the same thing. It means, that word means to be soft, to be tender, to love something, to cherish something. So get this, God's Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, was hovering over the world before it was created like a mother bird hovers over a nest. And, and, and this picture like started connecting to my brain <laughs> as I started looking at this and I started thinking, okay, now, now follow me. Out of the mouth of the Father, he spoke and the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the waters, connected with the word of the Father, and creation happened. It took the Father's words and this Holy Spirit hovering mother, uh, 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 maternal nature to connect, and out of that, life happens. Doesn't that sound familiar? A father... And a mother connect and life happens. Out of the father's mouth, he speaks. The Holy Spirit is hovering like a mother bird over her nest. And out of that, life occurs. Creation occurs. It takes the father's heart and the mother's heart to connect to create life. Like that, was a bomb drop, Holy Spirit, mind-blowing moment at like two in the morning as I was chewing on this. So the picture that I had is, get this, Holy Spirit provides not just a protective covering, like how a bird sits on a nest to protect the, the, the eggs from like, you know, wind and, and rain and all these other things. A bird also not just provides protective covering, but an intimate covering. The mother bird has to open itself, open its wings to allow the babies in. Like, in, in, in the bird sitting on that nest, like, the bird's underside is, like, the most intimate part of that bird. And I just started thinking about how, like, that's what God is wanting us to do. He's wanting us to get, he's inviting us in to intimacy with the Spirit, to literally, like a nest, like huddle up, cuddle up into intimacy with the Spirit to provide a protective covering on the outside and an intimate connection on the inside. That's what Holy Spirit is doing. That's what mothers do, right? Think about how babies are born. Like there's this natural birth that happens on on the inside. There's this protective covering on the outside. And on the inside, there's this life that is being churned and created. It's us getting to partner with God, right? That's what mothers do. They cover. They cover just like the Holy Spirit covers us. That's what Scott talked about on Sunday. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit, not just in us, but on us. We need the Holy Spirit empowering us 
That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what Holy Spirit does. He covers us like a mother covers her young. I just love that. If you have kids, you you know like like you you cover your kids. Like you want to talk about your kids like a proud uh mother hen watching her little ones bounce around, right? Like that's the image that I've got burned in my head as I was looking at this passage. So think on this. Part of what we get to experience as a follower of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is this intimate covering that the Lord is inviting us into. Now, not only does he cover, but he connects. Now, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is totally wrong, but uh, um, man, one thing that I've noticed about the, uh, the, the female um, persuasion is that they are much more in tune uh, than than us guys are the The image that I like to use is girls are like spaghetti. Guys are like waffles. The reason I say that is because waffles have tiny little compartments in them, right? All these little square boxes. My life is very simple for the most part. I can go to work, and I can shut off what I'm doing at work, and I can go home. And I can be at home, and I can shut off what I'm doing, and I can go to bed. Even if my wife and I have an argument that night, I can shut it off and go to sleep, and I can wake up like it's a reset button, and I'm ready to go to work again. And then I go to work. And you know what? I call my wife later that day, and I say, hey, honey, what's going on? Because I've totally forgot about the fact, the fact that we got in a fight. And she goes, you son of a gun, what are you doing? You know what I mean? She's still angry. And I'm like, oh, shoot, we fought. That's right. I should probably be upset right now. <laughs> right? Girls are way more interconnected. They're like a ball of spaghetti. Right? Something that happens in the morning carries over to the afternoon, to the night, to the next day, to six months from now. Right? And I just go along in my little compartments, hopping around from one compartment to the next, and everything's good, right? It took getting married to realize that those compartments do actually connect. (laughs) You know how, like, in, in hotels, those adjoining doors, like in the hotel room? Like, I've started realizing that all of my little compartments have adjoining doors to them, and they're all unlocked, and they all do actually interconnect. I just never knew that. And so it took me being married to realize that some of the frustration that I had in my workspace carried over to my house. And the reason why I got angry at my home was because I had experienced frustration at work or school or fill in the blank or whatever. I just didn't know that until my wife started showing me how my brain has spaghetti in it too. Females are very in tune with their emotional connections. They understand how everything weaves together, how it all is interconnected. And guys, just FYI, it's really good for us to figure that out. 
not just for the sake of our own marriages, <laughs> but, but just for the sake that, that like, listen, they're, they're, we are all interconnected. We're all intertwining somehow in some way, shape, or form. And if you're married in the room, your wives are really good at, at showing you how that works. Part of the maternal heart of God is he wants us to be connected. He wants us to be connected. And, and I, wanna, I just want to share um, uh, just a, a quick passage. And, and we're going to unpack this, and then we're just going to spend some time sharing and ministering and whatnot. Um, if you will, turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. It's a story of the woman at the well. Super familiar passage. You've probably all read it a thousand times. I just want to share it with you. I'm not going to read the entire thing because just for, for time's sake. Um, so, so here we go. All right, let's jump in. In uh, John chapter 4, it says, um, I'm just going to read some, and then there'll be some verses that are on the, on the screen because I didn't put them all up there. Um, it says uh, that Jesus, uh, the Pharisees learned that Jesus was baptizing. Actually, his disciples were baptizing people, and, uh, and so his popularity was starting to rise. And so he left uh, Judea to go to Galilee. All right, and it says he had to pass through Samaria. Um, by the way, just a total side note, um, in, on a map, if you look at it, Samaria, Judea, and Galilee, like Samaria is, is directly in between Judea and Galilee. And, and almost all Jews would circle around Samaria. They would, it would take like weeks to get around it, but they would go to the outside and circle all the way around to get, if they were going to Galilee, they would do that solely because they didn't want to inter- interconnect with the Samaritans. There was a, a huge, um, uh, uh, essentially like, like almost like a racial divide between the Samaritans and the Jews. Even though they were from the same descent, they were from the same people group, there was this huge divide between the Samaritans and the Jews. The Jews thought that they were better. Um, they were like God's official chosen people, and the Samaritans were less than. And so uh, it, I love, it says, he had to pass through Samaria. He could have gone around. Jesus had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well, in verse 6, Jacob's well was there. Okay, which is a symbol um, of heritage uh, there for the Samaritans. And it says, so Jesus, wearied from all, uh, excuse me, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. It was late in the day. Okay, this is around lunchtime, 12 o'clock. Okay, in Israel, 12 o'clock. It's hot. I've been there, all right? It is, it's a hot, hot part of the day. And it says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said, give me something to drink. Okay, uh, really quickly, just, just to point this out, this woman is showing up at lunchtime. In the heat of the day, this woman is showing up to draw water, 
Now, um, culturally speaking, the women of this day would have gone to get water early, early in the morning before it got too hot. Okay? And so here you have a lady showing up at lunchtime, which means a couple things. Number one, she doesn't want to be around the other women because something's going on. She doesn't want to be a part of the watering hole gossip. She doesn't want to be a part of the crowd that shows up early in the day to go get their water. She's alone. She doesn't want to be with the other wives at the watering hole. Okay? So he asked her for something to drink. This is, this is a major issue because Jesus was looked at as a rabbi. He was looked at as a teacher. He was a male Jew. He was not supposed to talk to females. You, if you are not married to a female in this day and time, you are not supposed to talk to them. So the fact that he asked her for a drink of water was a major no-no in that culture. And then on top of that, she's a Samaritan, which means like she would have been looked at as like way less than. So not only is he talking to a girl, but he's talking to a Samaritan, which was a big, big no-no. And Jesus said, give me a drink of water. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink of water? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10, it says, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. If you knew, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink. You see, this young lady um, had been listening to the labels that she had been given. That's why she didn't go to the watering hole at the morning. If you know this story, which we're going to get down to, she had been married multiple times. And she had basically given up on herself. She had bought into an identity that says she's less than. And she doesn't want to deal with that identity anymore, so she, does, so she goes at life alone. Maybe you've been labeled a name. I don't know what that name is. But I want to tell you that Jesus is coming to make you stop listening to the name that you've been labeled under and to begin to listen to the name that he's giving you and what that name brings. He said, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who I was, if you knew the name of the person that was talking to you right now, you would want to agree with me. Woman said to him, sir, you don't have anything to draw from. You have no, you have no way to get water. He goes on, he says in verse 14, listen to this, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, they'll never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring 
of water welling up to eternal life. All right, so this one blew my mind. Catch this. In Genesis 1-2, it says the Spirit was hovering over the what? The waters. The Spirit was hovering over the waters. And in this passage right here, he says, whoever drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become a spring of water welling up with eternal life. You know what he's talking about? Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman about spirit-activated H2O. He says, if you really want to experience true, real life, let me fill you. Let me fill you with a new identity. Let me fill you with, just like in the Genesis account, the Spirit hovering over the waters, just waiting for the Word of the Father to activate and bring life. Jesus is saying, I will give you life. I'll give you eternal life. I will give you a spring that will fill up and it will give you a new identity. It will give you a new perspective. It will give you a new way to look at the world. Spirit-activated water. So she says, Sir, I would like to have some of that so I don't have to come back to this well. You know what she's saying in that? Hey, Jesus... I'll take a new identity because I don't want to come back to this place because there's a lot of bad memories that have happened at this place. I don't want to go back there, right? Think about that in your own life. I don't want to go back there because that place has bad memories. I don't want to have to go back there anymore. And you know what Jesus says? You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to continue to agree with whatever identity that you think that you've been given. You don't have to agree with any name that you have been given other than uh, whatever name Jesus gives you. You don't have to agree with that anymore. He says, I'll give you eternal life, eternal spring. And she says, I'll take some of that, Jesus. So Jesus says, go, call your husband. Tell your husband to come here. Now, this is where it gets a little dicey, right? He says, go, go call your husband. The woman says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, yeah, you're right. You don't. In fact, you've had five husbands. And the one that you're with right now is not your husband. She's been married five times. And the man that she's living with now is not her husband. Now, I've read this passage hundreds and hundreds of times. And I have, I'm here to tell you that I have been interpreting this scripture wrong for hundreds and hundreds of times. Because at first read, it's super easy to be like, oh, well, Jesus is, is pointing out, like, like, like all the stuff in her life. He's exposing the places where she needs to be healed. He's, he's exposing her sin. She's an adulteress. 
She's had five husbands, and the one she's with now, she's living with someone that's not her husband. She's an adulteress. He's calling out that. He's exposing that so that she can be free from that. You know what? I'm not so sure that's what he's doing. You see, I think that adulteress might be the label that she was given in the community. That might be what the ladies at the watering hole said. She's the adulteress. She's the one that's going to sleep around or so on and so forth. Maybe that was the name that she had been given. Maybe she had the scarlet letter, right? Maybe when that's why she didn't go to the watering hole was because the community had named her that. But you know what? Not too long ago, this thought hit me as I was marinating on this verse. I don't know why I've never thought about this before, but it was like a bomb drop. It's like Holy Spirit said, here you go. In biblical culture, females can't divorce men. Women have no rights. In biblical culture, they cannot divorce men. So think about this. This woman had been divorced five times. She had been let go. She had been fired five times. And the one that she was with now was saying she's not even good enough to marry. So you know what the real name she had been living under was? Rejection. You're not good enough. You're not enough. She had been let go five different times. And the one that she was living with now was telling her she's not even worth marrying. You can stay around as a girlfriend. I'll keep you as a side piece, but I'm not marrying you. This woman had been living a broken existence being told over and over again that she's not worthy, that she's not good enough. Rejection had been the name that she had been internalizing. I'm not good enough. I've done everything that I know how to do to be a good wife, and I still can't do it. Every single man in this stinking town won't give me a chance. Every time I find somebody, I find a good man, I think he's going he's gonna to give me an opportunity and, and we're going to have a good life together, and no. And then she goes to the watering hole and all the other wives go, look at her. Look at that adulteress. Look at that so on and so forth. So she's been living this broken existence and the Father, Jesus, <laughs> says, I want to give you a new name. I want to give you a new identity. I want you to quit agreeing with rejection, and I want, to quit, I want you to quit agreeing with adultery. I want you to quit agreeing with that. I want to give you freedom. So she says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> she says, I, I think you've got something that I don't have, and I'd like to know what it is. And she goes on, um, I don't have time to unpack this part, but she, she talks about worship and she talks about where physically we will worship. And she talks about where uh, Jesus says that we will worship in spirit and in truth, which once again, uh, 
ties really well into this idea that uh, the, the Father's inviting us in to be connected. He's inviting us to be empowered by the Spirit. So just look over that, marinate on that in the days ahead. Um, but this, these are the, this is kind of where I want to land tonight. He tells her he's the Messiah. He tells her that he's, he's the Christ, the anointed one that's come to set everyone free. Now watch this, okay? Because once again, I've read this hundreds of times, and I don't know why this never hit me, but it just, it did. His disciples come back, and they're astonished that he's talking to a woman. But get this. After she encounters Jesus, it says in verse 28, so the woman left her water jar. So the woman left her jar. And she went away into the town and said to people, come see the man that told me everything about myself. I don't know why that, that's never really hit me before. She left her water jar. You know why that's significant? It's like she was saying, that old identity that kept drawing me back to that place, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. So I, I just want to encourage you tonight. I don't know what, what name or what identity the enemy is encouraging you to continue to pick back up. But tonight is the night that we're going to leave the jar at the well. And we're going to receive eternal, spirit-filled water that always fills us. The woman was so confident in her encounter with Jesus that she left her jar where she draws water. She left it because she knew that Jesus was supplying better water, a better name, a better identity. So my question tonight is, have we encountered intimacy, this connectedness that the Father is wanting to give us? Are we, have we encountered intimacy to the point that we want to leave our jar where it is? All this woman wanted was to be connected. She wanted to be intimate. She wanted to experience a form of intimacy that she had never felt before. And Jesus was saying, I can give you Holy Spirit. And I can draw you in like how a mother hen draws its young in. And I can bring you into the intimate parts of myself. I'll give you a new name, a new identity, a new experience. And you can leave that old self behind. It goes on. Like I said, I don't have time to unpack all of this, but it goes on at the very, very end. She goes and she tells all of the people at her town. Like, she got impacted to the point that it changed her city. <laughs> she got impacted to the point that it changed her community. Listen, the very people that called her adulterous and reject are the people that she went to to bring 
knowledge of the Messiah. That is like mind-blowing. When you receive a new identity from the Father, when you become empowered by the Holy Spirit, guess what? You'll take it anywhere. You'll go anywhere. You'll go back to the very people that called you whatever it was they were calling you and and show them that's not you anymore. You're not carrying the same water jar. She goes and she tells all the people of the town what she experienced, and it says many of the Samaritans in that town believed in him. In verse 42, the town said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. We have heard. We know. This woman's influence, she broke free from the label of adulteress. She broke free from the label of rejection. She broke free. She experienced this intimate connection with the power of Jesus Christ. And she went back to the very people that labeled her as such, and she set them free. And they got to hear, and they got to have their own stories. The reason why I say that this is about the mother's heart is because in my years of counseling, I've interacted with tons and tons of people and I can say that, that over the years of, of being in, in intimate, like, counseling settings with people, the, like, one of the common threads that I've seen over and over and over again is it, it, is in, it is deeply embedded in the heart of a mom to bring the family back together. It's deeply embedded in the DNA of a mother to want the family to be together. And that's what this adulterous reject did to her family. She became the mother of the community. She went, circled back around and started bringing the very people that had hurt her back to the father. That's just like the heart of a mom. So I just, I want to encourage you tonight. Number one, What's the, what's the name? What's the jar? What do, you, what do you need to leave here tonight? What do you need to walk away from tonight? What identity have you been agreeing with that is not from the name of Jesus, but it's from the enemy, and he's trying to get you to agree with a name or an identity that is not from the Father? What is that? And then, who needs to hear about it? Maybe it's family members, maybe it's, it's co-workers, maybe it's f- friends, I don't know. But, but who needs to know that you have left your water jar for eternal water? So um, here's what I want to do tonight. Um, 
there's going to be some questions that pop up on the screen like that one right there. And I just want to take the next 15, 20 minutes and let's just unpack these questions. Okay. Um, and before we do that, let's just ask Holy Spirit to, to, to move. Okay. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just call to mind places that we need to leave behind, names that we need to leave behind. Father, you never expose our sin to point and laugh. You never expose uh, stuff for the purpose of making us feel uh, bad or shameful about who we are. Father, you call us into a new identity. Every time you call us into a new identity, just like this woman at the well. The very name that she had been identified with, you released her. And so, Jesus, I just ask that that same eternal water, that same Holy Spirit-empowered life that you promised that woman at the well some 2,000 years ago, that that life would just begin to well up in us tonight. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, you have freedom tonight. Guide our conversation, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, just with... with uh, just a few minutes left. Um, what uh, um, what what water jar are you leaving here tonight? Like just out out loud. Some somebody, few people share. Like what what's the what's the name? What's the identity? What are you leaving here tonight? Rejection? Yeah. Shame? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, lack of boldness, fear. That's good. Memories? Ah. Mm. What are you leaving here tonight? Not good enough? Mm. All right, so what new name are you leaving with? Righteous? Bold. Mm. Confident. Worthy. Yeah, come on. Child of God, victorious. Loved. Come on. More than enough. <laughs> Cherished. That's good. Beautiful. Come on, girl. Mm. Mm. Injected. Injected. <laughs> nice. That one's... It's a good one. 
fuel injected. <laughs> That's good, man. I like it. Supercharged. There it is. That's so good. Accepted. There's a. That's a good one too. That's a good one. What? Yes, Robbie five point oh. Oh, that's it. That's good. Hmm. Hmm. You did? No. Hmm. So um, I just want to leave you this with this one picture. We're going to pray, and we're going to leave this place empowered tonight. Um, that that picture of of the 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 mother bird that that pulls her young in. I just had this this picture as I was chewing on that image, and uh, in that place of intimacy is where you hear the heartbeat. It's where you listen and hear the breath. Um, uh, I had this, this just picture of being a little kid and, and crawling up in my parents' lap, putting my head on their chest and listening to the heartbeat and listening to the breath. And, and that I just, I want to encourage you, like that's what Jesus is offering us with the, the baptism and the empowering of the Holy Spirit is to literally hear and feel the heartbeat of the Father, to hear and feel the heartbeat, um, the breath of God. And, um, and out of that, out of that place of comfort, out of that place of safety, like we think safety is like, is like a fighting word, and that, that is a, a fighting word, but it's also this very, very intimate place of safety. And out of that safety, that's how we're going to minister. That's how we're empowered because we know that we're safe. That's why that woman went back to the very people that shamed her was because she knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that she was safe in the new identity that she had. And so that's how we're going to minister. That's how we're going to do this. Um, it's by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, I, want, I just want to, one, one quick thing about what Scott said yesterday. Um, the empowering of the Holy Spirit is a continual process. It's a continual process. It's not one and done. Like, like you're, you, you didn't get baptized in the Spirit um, yesterday or 10 years ago and it was, and that was it. Like there's a continual process of being filled, being empowered by the Holy Spirit day in and day out. Um, why? Uh, there's a, a guy by the name of Bill Johnson. He says, because we leak. Why do I need to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Because I leak. Um, and, and here's the deal that can be good or bad. When I leak, it gets all over you, Right? So if I'm getting filled with the Holy Spirit, it's getting on Gary because I'm leaking on him <laughs> in the best way possible. <laughs> I get injected, as Robbie says. Yes. So everybody, uh, if you will, let's just stand up together, and we're gonna we're gonna pray this thing out. Hey, Holy Spirit. We're leaving our water jars behind. 
No more will we be identified by whatever it was that we might have brought in here. No longer do we agree with the name that the enemy has given us. No longer do we identify with whatever label the enemy has tried to get us to agree with. No more in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that sets us free. In the empowering of the Holy Spirit that reminds us of our freedom. Reminds us of our new identity. Holy Spirit, we receive your empowering tonight. We lean into our new identity, our new name. Father, I pray that every single name that was just spoken, every single name would just be solidified like concrete in our hearts and in our minds and in our eyes. And anything that the enemy tries to throw our way that counteracts that name would immediately be squashed in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we receive our new identities in its fullness tonight. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus and in the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You guys have a great night.